Hey, Jillian Pezzavalli. Hello, Patrick Hines. Sam, happy Independence Day. Hey, listen, we're doing that thing that we never do. We we take off two weeks a year. This is one of them. Mm-hmm. Christmas is the other. Yep. So we're going to give you a bonus episode ad-free right now. We're doing episode one of The Jinx. Yeah, because we're also on tour right now, and that's what we're covering on the road. It's so wild. Revisiting this series when we were getting ready to do the tour <laughs> no. is so... If you all don't know the story of the murders of Robert Durst, I it know. is wild. Um, enjoy this episode ad-free. It's like one of the episodes people always talk about. It's a series that people really seem to connect to because I think yeah. we were all kind of like experiencing the horror and the shock together. I know. I mean, this like really has twists and turns. If you don't it know does. what happens, it has a super surprise ending. Yeah. All six episodes are available ad-free right now on the Patreon. You can also see us cover the whole thing on tour. Mm-hmm. We're coming to Denver July 13th, Chicago Saturday, July 15th, Washington, D.C., July 22nd, Seattle, August 8th, Los Angeles, August 11th, and then New York City, August 26th. And then we're going to like close it out, close it out at Obsessed Fest oh, in that October. perfect. So fam, go to truecrimeobsessed.com and click on the CS Live link if you want to come experience this live. How could you not? I mean, come on. Are you going to give them a little durst? Um... Maybe at the end. Okay. It feels right. more appropriate that's at the true. end. That's if true. you know, you know. All right. Enjoy the episode. Stick around for that. I don't know about you, girl, but I'm digging this music. You know, I'm, it's still I'm still in like staircase mode. I can't even hear. I can't even hear the Jinx music in my head. Well, you're listening to it. You're, it's playing underneath you right That's now. That's true. It sure is. The beauty of editing and podcasting. You know, I have to tell you, this is going to sound super creepy. Yeah. Watching this was like meeting with an old friend again. Oh, I know. You know? It's funny. I watched it to take notes on it and then, so like that's very stop and start, stop and start. Yeah, and yeah. then I rewatched it again just now before you got here. Oh, God. It's a whole different experience oh, watching yeah. it without taking notes oh, on yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Also, Andrew Turecki is just a mess. <laughs> like, why is he always in cargo shorts and a hat? He, Girl, run he, a comb through your hair. I know. He has that whole, like, I'm just a director, I'm a producer. I know. He has that whole, like, vibe going. Oh, he's so bro Remember how he produced Felicity with J.J. Abrams and then they sing the theme song? I'm going to mention it every time he comes up. <laughs> Every time. Jarecki girl. Um, girl, here we are. I mean, we're off and running. It's called A Body in the Bay. And I'm like, whoa, this is not a slow burn. This is the anti-staircase. This is not a slow burn. This is like, oh, shit, we're talking about a chopped up torso. Oh, It's horrible. All right, get us started. All right. So our story starts off in Galveston, Texas, September 2001. And some kid... Just trying to have a nice Saturday afternoon (laughs) finds a floating torso in the bay. No head, no arms, no legs, just just the torso. And in case you guys don't believe it, there are pictures aplenty. I can't. I can't. It is so disgusting. Can you imagine being that kid? I want to talk to him. Is he okay? Has he been in therapy for the rest of his life? Is he all right? Oh, God, I'm going to throw it. It's so disgusting. Well, here's where it gets worse. Yeah. So we meet we meet Detective Gary Jones. Love this guy. So this is where the torso was at. Okay. He tells Jarecki, who's like, girl, what? I know. He tells, I can't even talk about it. I can't even talk about it. He says, I know, I know. I know you're going to play. We're both clutching our throats, yeah, by the way. This is probably the one time I can honestly say that I've actually reached down somebody's throat. Because in order to get the torso out, I had to take my hand down the throat and put my fingers around the breastbone. 
and then, and then pulling them up out of the water. What's you up? with your hand? Yeah. Yeah. How else am I going to get him out? He had to pull the torso out by like, the like latching in on, on the throat and pulled it out of the water. And Jarecki's like, I'm sorry, what? And Gary's like, how else would you take out a floating torso, Jarecki? You guys, it's Texas. They don't fuck around. This guy doesn't care. Oh, my God. And then we started our kind of a general survey of, of the rest of the area. And doing so, that's when we found a bunch of the, the black plastic trash bags that were floating in the water. So then now it's like there are all these like black garbage bags yes. and it's the rest of the body. And guys, again, they, so they, they rip open the bags and just show us these like legs it's and toes and fi- it's so disgusting. Yeah. And then it's like the first little like, I remember you old friend, our friend Cody. I love Cody so I much. I love him. And I was just like, oh yes, yes. It's like a warm welcoming <laughs> yeah. face for something, this horrible, horrible, horrible thing that happened. He just cannot believe. He literally, his eyes are saying to us the entire time, what the fuck? What? And he even says, he was like, I knew this was was going to be interesting. <laughs> but he was like, but I didn't think it would be batshit bananas crazy. I just thought it was going to be like, wow. I had never had a dismembered headless torso to investigate. You know, I've investigated my fair share of shootings, homicides, uh, a whole array of investigations, thousands. But I never had one of these. But I never had one of these. <laughs> one of the, what is this? What is this? I know. And then, I, and then I just say, like, I forgot all about this. I just thought this was about, like, his wife and that friend of his, Susan Berman. Oh, I like, forgot about... I totally you forgot. forgot. about the drag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the I, mute, dumb, ugly lady? All of it. And it totally all came, like, flooding back. Oh it was God. amazing. I know, I know. And just fun fact, the head was never recovered, everybody. It's still floating out there somewhere. Ugh. And then there's this idiot, the newspaper you with guys. the address on it is in one of the plastic bags. One of the most important things that we found initially, newspaper. We were able to read an address of 2213 Avenue K. So here is the thing. Rich people who have never had jobs mm-hmm. should not be committing homicides they're trying to get away with. They're so bad at it. Yeah. Also, no one. <laughs> but rich people mostly. He cut this body up and then wrapped parts of it in a newspaper with his home address on it. Right. That is so stupid. Yeah. So let's walk through the building real quick. So okay. they go to the address. Cody's yeah. like, let's go to this address. Mm-hmm. Like, it's right here. So there's this guy, Klaus, who owns the building. We was able to ascertain that the tenants downstairs was an older man named Morris Black that lived in apartment number one. And then apartment number two, he said, was rented by a little old lady named Dorothy Siner, who was a mute female. And it's like, so Dorothy Siner is like deaf and mute and super ugly. And I'm like, can we take it easy on poor old Dorothy? Did you think Mrs. Siner was attractive? If you're asking me, was it in general terms speaking an attractive woman? I would say it looked like a middle-aged woman uh, with a flat bust. Would be my type. <laughs> in fact, uh, it was kind of described as a, a real ugly, deaf-mute woman. <laughs> then it's like she wanted to pay in advance, and she's always traveling. Like, it's just, it starts to get, like, pretty fishy, right? Right. So then Morris Black is ID'd as the victim, the poor person floating in the bay. Yes. And then they, like, go into apartment two, and they're like, hmm. <laughs> 
what was unusual was on the floor of the kitchen were drop cloths. There's drop cloths everywhere. Everywhere. And he's like, well, hang on a second. There's like little cuts on the floor. So our friend Cody is like, hold up a second. He like takes his own box cutter, cuts up like the linoleum tile, right. rips it up, finds a blood stain. Right, that like seeped through everything that exactly. they tried to clean. We were actually able to match the blood back to Morris Black. So we knew that that's, his, that's the location where he had been dismembered. Like, really, really badly done. Like, just poorly, poorly done. So it's all these red flags. Like, clearly a woman's not living there. Like, right. clearly. Yeah. So now the cops are going through the garbage, literally. Yeah. Like, actually going through garbage. They're, like, laying out all of the things they took. There's a pair of underpants. It's Ew, so gross. gross. Just, like, old man underpants. Ah! Yeah, you guys. Not since the guy had to reach and down that guy's neck and grab his torso by the breast. Oh, God. <laughs> I will never. I can't. I know. I can't. I know. But they find a receipt for eyeglasses with someone's name on it. Whose name is on the receipt? You guys, it's Robert Durst. Again, I'm going to say this is a really, really badly done murder. Like, I know. What is wrong with you? I know. I know. This is also like his 15th murder. I know. You, oh, like, God. He's gotten away with 100 murders before this. Right. Now I'm thinking, who's Robert Durst? Still a bunch of question marks. So our friend Cody goes to the like eyeglasses place right. and is like, so I know that like there's no way this guy's Vegas actually wouldn't take up. the odds. I loved him. <laughs> but I said, if he shows up, here's my card, here's my pager number. You know, I left. Guess what? Robert George is really bad at this. He goes and the the person at the eyeglasses place is like pages him. That's how long ago Can it was. Can you imagine the look of terror on that woman's face as she's frantically paging this guy? Yeah, and she's like, um, it's gonna be late, so how do you handle, like, you know he's a murderer. How do you hold him there, right? Without he's, also, he's also, like, a frail old man. I know. And then Cody's like, hmm, who would be paging me 911? Could it be the eyeglasses place? Yes, Cody girl, it is. Uh, I jump in my car, and I'm coming up 21st Street, and he pulls out of the alleyway parking lot right in front of me and pulls up to the red light. And I'm right behind him. They pull him over. Yeah. You guys, like, one of the cops walks up. He's like, oh, yeah, there's a, there's a bow knife in his in his trunk. Yeah, he also had receipts for basically everything you need to chop up a body. The drop cloths. He did, didn't he see Breaking Bad? You don't buy it all in the same store. He all but was wearing a T-shirt that says, I'm the murderer. I'm the murderer. Arrest me. I'm a creep. I'm a rich creep. God, the guy looks like a librarian. He doesn't look like a, a person that would dismember a human being. So far, the one time I disagree with Cody, I'm like, no, Cody, what you're trying to say is he looks too weak. Right. He looks like a murderer. Yeah, totally. He totally. has this crazy look in his eyes with those super black, like, no I soul know, eyes. I know, I know. Ugh. And they're saying, like, as, they, as they're bringing him in, like, members of the police force are like, this bitch? Uh, yeah, totally. No, bitch. So then his bail is at $250,000. This story is amazing. And he asked me, he said, well, what should I do? And I said, I don't know. Do you have $250,000? And he just calmly looked at me and he goes, well, not on me. But I honestly, I imagined this conversation to be so earnest. Where I, exactly. is like, wait, if I don't have it on me, can I not go? Like, how does this right. work? Can I wire? Because I have it. Believe right, you me, I have it. Just not on me. I feel like they don't get this a lot in Galveston, Texas. Well, and Cody says as much. He's like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> to give you that type of an answer. Um... Which is not the type of answer you would normally hear. You guys, Robert Durst makes a phone call. Who does he call, Jillian? He calls Deborah. <laughs> 
who's like, yep, girl, you'll have that money bright and early in the morning. Don't you worry about a thing. Who's Deborah? you're wondering? His wife. <laughs> Let's set the scene. Deborah, we're seeing in a, a police interview with Deborah. Yeah. She looks like Diane Lane after like 10 years of drinking and smoking. Uh-huh. She's got hair for days. Mm-hmm. She's pretty. It's not going to go great for her she's down a, the road. She, my, as my mom would say, she's a little like hard looking. She's yeah, a little tough. Drinking and smoking. Like, yeah. Like, that, I, like, you know, like she's got like a beer and a cigarette under the table for this interview. And the attitude. <laughs> First of all, she cannot for the life of her remember when she married Robert Durst. She's no idea. Are you the wife of Robert Durst? Yes. When did you marry him? December 2000. Uh, Would that have been December 11, 2000? Yes. This is not a lady who knows her anniversary. She th- she's like, um, <laughs> I don't know, like the summer. She or is just so not here for your shit. How old do you think he is, and how old do you think she is? Okay, Deborah is probably forty. Yeah, Durst is probably sixty-five. Ish. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Deborah did not marry for the love of the Durst. No. <laughs> I wonder what she saw in him. I wonder. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Dollar sign. Dollar sign. Dollar sign. Girl, make your paper. Listen, no judgment. I mean, hey. She also answers every question looking up at the ceiling. <laughs> oh, is that is that like a body language thing? Of course. Oh well, not God. always, but for every single question in a police interrogation. The thing is, Deborah cannot for one minute believe that she has been dragged downtown to answer somebody else's somebody's questions who like makes for a year the amount of money she's wearing in her ears. Yeah, everyone's a peasant. Yeah. And she's the queen and how dare she even. We're all lucky just to be in her presence. She's so over it and she also thinks it's hilarious. How long was it from the time that he was arrested until uh, he got out of jail on bail? 24 hours. When he got out, where did he go? (laughs) I'm in New York. He's in Galveston. He probably went to the bail bondsman's office first. And then he probably went home. Do I know? Was I there? I wasn't there. Do I know that? No, I wasn't there. (laughs) Am I done? Just like, Deborah. So Cody gets to work, has 21 messages on his voicemail. He is he wants to eat his donut in peace. Cody has no idea what he's in for. Usually on my phone, there may be one or two messages. 21 messages. That's when the information about who Robert Durst really was started coming into play. Then we meet Charles Bagley at the New York Times. Okay, you guys, what's happening is Durst is like famous in New York. He's like part of a dynasty in New York City. And this guy, this Charles Bagley from the New York Times is like getting wind that that Durst has been arrested in Galveston, Texas. And he's like, girl, hold the presses. Yeah, he's like, is that our Bob Durst? (laughs) We get this tip that a Bob Durst has been arrested in Galveston. And he's murdered his his uh, neighbor or something. And it was like, holy shit. And you know Deb called in that tip, that of anonymous course. tip. You yeah. know it was her. Then we meet, are you, is that Garbage Bell fired up? We meet Garbage Janine Pirro. I know. Can we get 10 dings? The fact that Morris Black had been murdered in Galveston was not something that would have garnered any attention at our end. It was only when they made the connection to Robert Durst. 
she's so she's, she's so, so garbage, garbage but she's like on the right side of history with this I, I can't take it away from her the thing that sucks is that Janine if you guys don't know who Janine Pirro is she's mm. like a Trump loving Fox News news hosting and if you love her fine we love you anyway but like it, I, I just hate this woman yeah but the thing that's so difficult is that she's obviously brilliant I know she's one of those great minds that you're like oh why aren't you a good guy right and like she if from what I remember it's been a while since I watched it but I remember like there's some awesome moment remember at the end when they hand her the envelope Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. And she's yeah. just like, I'm not letting Robert Durst go, you guys. Like, right. I'm gonna, I'm coming for him. And I remember like loving her in this. She's got a, a great line coming up in a minute. We'll oh, get to God, it. I love her in this. I hate her like in a. Yeah, she's the but, worst. Yeah. So then it turns out like, oh, P.S. Not only is Durst super rich and comes from a super rich family, and they're like a real estate mogul dynasty in yeah. New York City. His first wife has been missing since 1982. <laughs> Robert Durst first made headlines after he reported reported his wife missing in 1982, and to this day, the case remains unsolved. The family of Kathleen Durst, from the beginning, had said they believed Robert Durst was responsible. He had always maintained his innocence. It's an unsolved case. Her name is Kathleen. You guys, it's what the rest of the series is going to be about. We meet his brother, Douglas, by oh, the way. Oh, my God. <laughs> How many office buildings does the Durst organization currently own? Nine. And can you tell me what those office buildings are? 655 3rd Avenue, 675 3rd Avenue. Douglas? Oh, God. Douglas, he just looks like he's got a closet full of skeletons, this guy. I mean, he's on the verge of tears. Yeah. And he's like Durst's little brother. We'll find out later that, like, obviously nobody was going to let Robert Durst run the family company. So they give it to his younger brother, Douglas. Douglas fears for his life. He has to hire bodyguards. Yeah, because Robert threatened to kill him. And also, Robert isn't running the family business because he stopped showing up to work. He, he, like, almost never went is what he says. Like, let's not act like whatever. We'll get into Deb's whole point of view on this in a minute. (laughs) So the next day, you guys, is Robert Durst's arraignment. Mm -hmm. Um, Janine Pure decides she's going to go to Texas to see Robert Durst. Right. And Jarecki asks her if she expected that Robert Durst was going to show up to his arraignment. Jillian, here's what Janine Pirro says. Most defendants charged with murder show up at their arraignment. Okay? Did I expect him to be there? Of course I did. I wanted to eyeball this guy. I wanted to size him up. Of course I did. All right, let's give her one hero bell and then ten garbage bells. Hero. Garbage garbage. She's on the right side of history, man, with this one. Durst you guys, Robert Durst just doesn't show up for his arraignment. I know, I have in my notes, joke's on you, girl, because he didn't show up and he bolted. A private investigator told a Galveston newspaper that Durst has used false names in the past. He had disguised himself as a woman. His alias, Dorothy Siner, is even listed on the FBI's 10 Most Wanted list. So Dorothy Siner is, like, he knew her in high school. She's, She's a, real a real person. person. You want to know what her yearbook quote reads? Yes, oh God. So this is, they went to... High school in the 1920s, seemingly, because it's very <laughs> old. So hers says, I guess they were like all like rhymey. They were like poems or something. Uh-huh. So hers says, between the serious student and the fun loving flirt, dot sails a mid-course, <laughs> cheerful and pert. <laughs> then they like zoom over. They like pan over to Robert Durst's girl. <laughs> His yearbook quote is. We durst, in caps, we durst not criticize this Bob whose activities make him stand out from the mob. Are you kidding me? You guys, like, what's that quote? Like, when someone shows you who they are, oh, believe yeah, yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's giving us a better. 
Can you imagine poor Dorothy somewhere? Oh my Never God. could have imagined that her likeness would have been used to like dismember a body and throw it in the in, I know. the in the river. Oh my God. So yeah, then they go through all of his. He had like a bank account as Emilio Vignoni in Alabama. Like the, uh, there's no Emilio Vignoni in Alabama. Girl. Like, stop it. Diane Wynn, Jim Terse, Maury Block. Like, he loves all... impersonating women. What is happening? Uh, I, and listen, I think drag we know. queens, we're here for you, drag queens. Absolutely. We love you, drag This is not a, this is nobody's drag queen. Yeah, no. So like Durst is on the lamb. This guy's like off and running. Right. He shows up at like this old cottage that he used to like live in with Kathleen, his first wife who's been missing since 1980. That's the last time she was known to be alive in he, this cabin. He's just standing there on the dock, just like staring out at the water. Mr. Durst's reverie on the dock suddenly ended when a neighbor strolled down to the lakefront. That neighbor, of course, was the woman that moved into the house that Bob had lived in and that Kathy had disappeared from. The woman who lives there now is like, um... Excuse me, ma'am? Hi, ma'am? Um, what? Durst takes the fuck off. Yeah, so then cut to footage of him in a Wegmans (laughs) with that shaved head. This is the most bonkers situation. He was spotted at a Wegmans for allegedly trying to steal a hoagie. It's a sandwich. A hoagie! It's a sandwich. A hoagie! On this on this video, you guys, Durst is like you just see him taking one step, looking around, taking another step, looking around. He has got his eye on the sandwich. He might as well also have a shirt that says "I'm stealing something." <laughs> How creepy does he? Not saying all he shaped heads are creepy, insane. but he just looks. He has he's all disheveled. He's wearing things that are four sizes too big for him. <laughs> he literally like picks the hoagie up out of the hoagie container right the hoagie fridge right and he like looks around he basically stuffs it up the sleeve of his coat right he might as well be knocking like magazine stands over (laughs) it's so obvious and then she like makes a break for it i think we were kind of in the same boat as everybody else that had any knowledge of this case whatsoever how in the hell could he have been that stupid the police get there because everyone's like hello like everyone's on their phone like dude we're calling the cops on you right now like it's so obvious that you're stealing something he just kind of got cold look all the color ran out of his face and he just stared at me and he said i'm not saying another word until i speak to an attorney they search the car here's what they find (laughs) guns two loaded guns weed 38 thousand dollars in cash and the kicker morris black's id his Mar- trophy <laughs> here's the one thing i will say durst looks enough like morris black that he could legitimately use his id to I like mean, he could use it for sure i see it as a trophy i don't think he's using that uh, id because everyone knows that that guy's dead he's not he using that the ID. Head. maybe the head is the trophy that's what i that's what uh, i had in my notes too i'm horrified um so then all the cops are like this guy has at the very least thirty eight thousand five hundred dollars on him why is he stealing a sandwich <laughs> right. to get caught the guy's crying out to be arrested isn't he on the other hand, he's also a guy that sort of walks through life and thinks he can do whatever he wants to do. And most of the time he could. So the next the next oh shot. Oh my god. Did you like were you freaked out by this too? I was so it is so Manson-esque. I can't it stand it. So they have him in handcuffs and they're leading him down a hallway. Yeah. He is staring at the camera. Like I into said like the Hannibal camera. Lecter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The black eyes that you're talking about. It is so Manson did that too. He would like stare down a camera and then get close to it. And I'm yeah. like, why is there no one? He's Soulless. eating he's eating my soul now, yeah. right? Because <laughs> totally. he clearly doesn't have one. Totally. He's slurping mine out. Oh my God, this is my favorite Deborah moment of the whole thing. How long was he in jail in Pennsylvania? About two months. Did you speak to him while he was in jail? Sure. She goes, sure. Sure. (laughs) Did you call him? 
It doesn't work that way. Okay. It doesn't work that way, she says. During that time, did he call you regularly? Yes. And in any of those conversations, did he indicate uh, what his plans were in the future? Since I'm sure that you know that those conversations were taped, and they probably are public, you could read for yourself, because I don't really remember what conversations we had. So I don't know. Why don't you take a listen? <gasps> but then Chirecki and his like slick directing, he like, there's like a shot of a tape that says like Durst prison phone call that goes into a tape recorder. And then we hear them and Deborah is off her goddamn rocker. Very cold in this prison. Yeah, cold out. Well, it's cold out, but I feel like it's cold in this prison. They're, first of all, actually talking about the weather. Yeah. <laughs> she calls it his room. When you're in your room, in your room. are you cold? Yeah. And then he's talking about the jumpsuit. The jumpsuit's very comfy. Honey, now when you're now sitting in your room, do you um, wear that thing or not? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. It's very warm and it is comfy. I never wore a jumpsuit until I got here. It's a very comfy thing. It's easy to take on and off. He sounds like my grandmother talking about how cold it is all the time. She was always like, it would be 98 degrees. She'd be like, does anyone have a winter coat? Like she was always, and it was just like, we get it. Annie, it's cold. We get it. We totally get it. It's cold. Solemnly swear or affirm the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth of God. Yes, ma'am. Then we see Durst on video being questioned. Oh, this this whole thing is just unreal. He does this thing. It's the like the start of the blink. Right. He does this through every time he's questioned. He does this blink, this like hard blink that lasts forever, seemingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's like moving his head and looking around, which is like. Whatever, maybe stretch. I don't know, but I think he he creeps me out so much, and I know he's an actual murderer. Yeah. So now I'm picking everything apart. No, no, no. no. <laughs> and, and, like, and you just he, the entitlement of this man when he's questioned about his job. This is what he says. Am I correct that from the 1970s until 1994, you worked in the Durst family business? Sort of, yes. What were your positions there? My titles. Yes. I had various important sounding titles, but I didn't really go there very much. He's wondering why he, he didn't get the job. He didn't right. get the gig. Girl, right. you got to show up to get it. Exactly. How entitled are you? I know. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, if you're loaded and you don't feel like working and they're just going to give you money, then maybe like the working one's the fool. Like, well, yeah, seriously. So then they're just like, so uh, why didn't you get the gig, Robert? Like, what happened? Just like totally baiting him and trying to get him to say it. Did you quit the family business in 1994 after Douglas Durst was picked to run the family businesses? Well, he was pretty much picked. In 1989, 90, I remember. Who picked him? Uh, the, the senior generation. Meaning his father. <laughs> yeah. The senior generation. Exactly. Like, it's just so, like, ugh. So then we hear from Deborah on the, we're getting more of this information about, like, what Deborah has to say about how, like, how it went down with, with Robert not getting the job. This is bananas. He screwed you out of everything. Your, your birthright. The entire Durst organization. And you forgot? Right. He took over the family business, no doubt about it. Okay. He took it from you. He could have done it with you. There were a lot of choices he could have done, but no. He took it from you, and his plan was to destroy you and embarrass you, and he did it. She sounds batshit crazy in here. I know. Don't you want to know the whole story? Where did they meet? Where did they meet? Online. (laughs) He stole your birthright. It was his plan to destroy you. I mean, that's not your wife siding with you to be like, I know, I know, but we'll handle it. Exactly. She is egging him on and ramping him up. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's the evil queen from from Snow White. Yeah. Oh, my God. Totally. So then, like, the guy questioning him on the police video is like, why did your brother hire a bodyguard? (laughs) 
This is what Durst has to say. Do you know why Douglas Durst hired a bodyguard? Because he's a pussy. Girl! Girl. And then did you hear the guy laugh? Yeah, yeah. The interviewer laughed. Yeah. He, Durst gets him to break. But then, so then Deborah and, and Durst are on the phone. They're talking about extradition. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about the kind of face Durst should be making for the cameras. It's going to be a media circus there. I know. The, I'm trying not to think about it. And I'm trying not to, to, to plan what, what, what kind of look I should have on my face. Yeah, I know. Mean, am yeah. I supposed to be smiling? Or am I supposed to be grim? If you're thinking of expression, I would just have, like, as close to no expression as you Yeah, that's what have. I think. Yeah. There's a lot of speculation online that Deborah helped him cover up the murder of Kathleen. Oh, so, I like, would not be surprised. If she that knows true. shit, and she's evil, and they're having this like t- they're both like sociopaths, and they're like, how do humans behave in situations? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, this? yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> so they decide to not have an expression, and you guys, he failed. He looks so goddamn creepy. Yeah, in it's, this footage. the no expression is the scariest part of the whole thing. It looks like he's holding back a smirk. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's totally. a little more than no expression. Yeah, and it's scary. So then we see Janine. We see. Janine Pirro again from like back in the day and she's talking this from back in the time when Durst was arrested and she's talking Janine Pirro wants to get Durst for the murder of Kathleen because she's the DA in Pennsylvania at the time yeah and Kathleen went missing in Pennsylvania so yeah. this is her turf exactly and with respect to the New York case in response to your question let me just say that uh the disappearance of Kathleen Durst 20 years ago uh, is a case that uh, we are actively investigating. We continue to seek the public's cooperation, and as time goes on, we're finding that more and more people are cooperating with us, and we will get to the bottom of what happened to Kathleen Durst one way or the other. So now we're on the phone with Deb and Robert Durst again. So they're complaining that, like, Piero's going to get him for yes. Kathy, as they say. And, and Deborah's like, she's got nothing on you. Bob, she hasn't arrested you because she doesn't have anything. You're gonna be all right, I promise. Okay. All right, you guys cannot. You'll be okay. Thank you. I love you, honey. I love you. Bye. Bye. It ends with like, okay, thank you. I love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god, it's so weird. I know. So now Michael Kennedy is is Robert Durst's lawyer that apparently Douglas hired the brother it's that the he the family hates. lawyer. Yeah. Right. So Deb is at a hundred million, yeah. not even a hundred. Everything that comes from Kennedy is a cancer, <laughs> and you don't get it. And I'm like, oh my god! I have to tell you something. I have a real problem. You keep going deeper and deeper and deeper into Kennedy, and I hate him. And I don't think you get it. I will give Everything him... that comes from Kennedy is a cancer, and you don't get it. And I'm not going to stand here and watch this. I can't handle it. So now she's, because Durst is like, it's a lawyer, I don't care. Like, the thing is, Durst doesn't give a shit about anything. Yeah. And she wants him to super care about this family lawyer, and he's just not doing it, and it's making her crazy. (laughs) There's something about the money for her. Like, there's there's something, like, she has a vested interest in this. Well, because then she's like, let me finish, don't interrupt. And I'm like, ooh, I know who's in charge here. Michael Kennedy's allegiance is to Douglas. You must understand that. First, he was going to say you're incompetent. Then he was going to say you're insane. That would mean, okay, that your decisions, like giving me a power of attorney, was you were incompetent at the time, so that it's not good. And wait, let me finish. No interrupts. What he doesn't want is me to get any of the trust money later on. What she's saying is that they, that she's afraid Kennedy wants to have Durst 
declared incompetent. Uh-huh. And if he's declared incompetent, then their marriage would be invalid. Why? Who knows? That doesn't make any sense. Maybe Deborah's just for... making it up. Who I think knows? She is. That yeah. doesn't make sense. I know. But then she's afraid she's going to get screwed out of the money. And I'm like, and I'll, you know, when you get worked up and you're just saying things yeah. and like you, you're not like editing yourself or censoring yeah. yourself, that was her being super real. Like it all comes out. I kept trying to imagine her on the phone. Like, what does her apartment look like? Where does she live? What oh is she God. wearing? Oh. What is she drinking out of? Martini glass. <laughs> and it's spilling everywhere. You know what she just sort of reminded me a little bit? Goldie Hawn in First Wives Club when she's at her drunkest. I'm an actress. I have all of them. And she's like, and the, the gin is going everywhere. That's sort of what I think of her. But even that's a little too refined. I just want to know what Deb. Deborah's life is like. Does she have friends? Like, what is her, what is no. her life like? No friends? No, I don't think so. Or she... she's like the mean friend, like yeah. the meanest mean friend. And people like are like, oh, I can't, like, Deb is making me go to bridge tonight. <laughs> I have to go over to Deb's for dinner or she'll yell at me. So then, okay, so then they're going to get him his own lawyer down in Texas. And then they fight about that. Right. (laughs) So Robert wants to hire this guy, Dick DeGarren, and Deb wants Mike Ramsey. DeGarren is the top Texas guy. No, he's not. Ramsey is. Well, now, wait a minute. DeGarren is not. Wait a minute. They cannot come to an agreement, so he (laughs) hires them both. It costs him $1.8 million. And God, I hope it gets me acquitted, he says. All Good Things, a new feature film, premiered at the SVA Cinema in Chelsea. The film was inspired by one of the most notorious missing persons cases in New York City history. Okay, all of a sudden, out of the clear blue goddamn sky, it's 10 years later, we're on the red carpet with Kirsten Dunst. Nothing says 10 years ago like Kirsten Dunst. I know, for the movie All Good Things with Ryan Gosling. So, you guys, Kirsten Dunst, Ryan Gosling, this is the movie that Jarecki originally made about the disappearance of Kathleen Durst. Right, it was like loose, I haven't seen it yet. No one has seen it. This, like, How does it have two of the biggest movie stars in the world at the time, but no one saw the movie? It's always like suggested for me to watch, because totally. the internet is watching me and knows that I love all this kind of shit. And I just haven't watched it yet, but it's supposed to be like very loosely based because they have Ryan Gosling playing Robert Durst. Exactly. Give me a fucking break. And I hear it's a super shitty movie, but Jarecki's on the red carpet talking about like, Jarecki says the garbagiest thing where he says, I remember saying to my partner, I would like to make a movie that Robert Durst himself could sit and watch and have an emotional reaction to what a sick! Who, Who cares? You you are saying on you're on the record like you know he killed all these people. I know. I know. It's ridiculous. you want to move him, Drecky? Yeah. Cut to the view. <laughs> Kirsten is. I don't know if she gets a word in edgewise because Barbara Walters <laughs> is telling Kirsten Dunst about Robert Durst like she has no idea, which she may or may not have any idea. Like she might have just right. read the script and shown up for work when she had to. But but Barbara Walters is like, you know, he was never acquitted. He's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> alive drags out alive I remember this case because it's based uh, on one of the great uh, murder mysteries there was a a man named Robert Durst uh, who came from a very wealthy real estate family he married a beautiful woman named Kathy played by you and then in 1982 she was gone Uh, nobody has ever found the body he was never charged with the murder he's still alive and Kirsten Dunn's super skinny just sitting there like (laughs) I'm just, the movie comes out October 25th. Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. So then this, like, crazy thing happens where Robert Durst calls, like, the movie producer looking for Jarecki. Who does? The producer 
does a good impression of Durst. Yeah. <laughs> Mike asked me the other day, he's like, what's your Robert Durst impression going to be? And I'm like, I don't know yet. I haven't gotten into it, but a little like high pitch nasally. Right now, the, the producer is the star impressionist of this because he like does the Robert Durst voice. A call comes through and I pick it up and a sort of smaller voice on the line says, oh, hello, it's the same in bowls? I said, yes. He goes, oh, this is Bob Durst. <laughs> My blood froze. <laughs> I went like, um, oh, hello. Uh, excuse me, who was this? I, I, I thought this was someone else. Who was calling? And he said, this is Bob Durst. I'm looking for Andrew Jarecki. And I'm like, oh. So Jarecki gets on the phone this with Robert so- Durst. Jarecki could not sound more bored. Hello. Hi, Mr. Durst. Hi, Mr. Jarecki. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. He just like could not sound more bored to be talking to Robert Durst. In my head, I need him to be like, you guys, you guys on the other end, like there's a million people, like he's on speakerphone and totally, mute totally. so that like Robert Durst can hear everyone being like, is this Robert Durst? Is this the murderer? Oh my God. So then Robert Durst is like, I have an idea. I'm not sure if you're going to be into it. <laughs> Curious if you'd want to interview me about my thoughts on your movie about the murder I committed. And Jarecki's like, hmm. Let me call you back. Because yeah. you know, that, that that to me was like, there are a zillion people in the room. Yeah. They're all screaming and totally. he like can't qu- keep them quiet. So he's, he's like, let me think about it and call you back. Way to play it cool. Jerry. I know, I know, I know. So then Robert's like, okay, just real quick though, I'm not interested in doing anything true crime. Girl, too late. <laughs> you, right. You're now the star of like the world's favorite true crime documentary ever made. You're the, the subject of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You dick. <laughs> Basically, Jarecki's like, Sure. Calls him back yeah. five minutes later, probably, and is like, so how about I do this? How about I make this very damning documentary about you first <laughs> and do all the investigation and do all that first? Then we do the interview at the end. Yeah. And Robert's like, sounds great. You have all my numbers. Let's do this. One possibility is to have me interview you after having made this film. Uh, I would tend to cooperate with you with whatever it was you're going to do. Um, you, you, you've got all my phone numbers, so I'll look forward to hearing from you. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. It's so gross, too, because, like, Durst sits down for what, if you've seen the jinx, you yeah. know it becomes, like, the interview uh, of the decade. Yeah. But he, like, he's, you see him, like, he drinks a glass of water. And, like, the grossest, like, how do you make drinking wet. water gross? Maybe because it's so fast, and I'm like, is somebody nervous? I know, I know. But it's also, like, why did you agree to this interview? It's so weird. It's so weird. And so Cody, Cody the cop, yeah. is like... I don't think Bob Durst is the kind of man... That that kills for the thrill of the kill. I don't think he takes any particular pleasure in killing. But if you back him in a corner, if you threaten his freedom, he'll kill you. And then it's like a creepy slow zoom and then end credits. Yeah. Cut print. <laughs> We're done with Jake's number one. I mean, it's bananas. Oh my goodness, fam. Thank you for checking out episode one of our coverage of the Jinx. Yeah, I hope you loved it. It is so... You gotta give them the... Just give them the Durst. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> A little early, but... 
<laughs> You'll get it. If you listen all the way to the end, which I hope you do, oh. that, uh, that'll that come fast and furious. Well, you. speaking of, all six episodes of our coverage of the Jinx are available right now and ad-free on our Patreon. You can also experience us doing this live. Yes. It is like not at all like our coverage. It's very different. It's very wild. It's very, yeah, it's um, it's it's a time. Yeah. It's a time. We're coming to Denver, <laughs> Chicago, Washington, D.C., Seattle, Los Angeles, New York City, finishing it out uh, in Dallas at Obsessed Fest. Yeah. You can find all the information at truecrimeobsessed.com. Click on the CS Live link. Come see us on tour if you never have. It is a wild time. It's fun. It's a party. I'm going to say it. It's a party. It's really, it, I'm not even saying it just because I want to see your faces. Like, you're really going to enjoy yourself. I think so. Oh, and every every ticket to the live shows, by the way, gets a copy of my book. That's right. Mailed to you for free when it comes out. So basically, you're paying like 30 bucks for the show. You get the book for free. And also, you pick a lucky winner every show who yes. gets an actual book that you sign in yep. person. Like, they have it. I have advanced copies of one per show. I'm doing a little raffle it's at the really end. Fun. It's really It's really cute and really fun. All right, fam. We love you so much. All right. We'll see you later. Go have a barbecue if that's how you celebrate. Yeah. Or not. Or, you know what, whatever you want to do. I'm not here to, (laughs) you know, no judgment. (laughs) To barbecue shame. (laughs) (laughs) We love you. Goodbye. We love you. Bye. (laughs) 